At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Welcome to the When to Jump podcast. I'm going to get into our guest on the show in a second. First to the mailbag, we've got an email from Alex. He says, hi, Mike, I'm into my third jump, starting in banking, founding a charity, then setting up my own firm. I have a question that your book doesn't seem to answer. What if you don't know where to jump? What if your little voice is only telling you this isn't it, but you've spent your whole life myopically focused on finance that you've never even frankly had any hobbies that you'd wanted to turn into a job? I've had some vague areas that interest me, but with a young family and a demanding job, I don't know where to start in terms of exploring alternatives. Furthermore, owning a business employing quite a number of people that is quite dependent on me, jumping would have wider consequences. I can already hear you saying make a plan, but again, without knowing where to go, that's not easy. I'm a very passionate guy, so it's not for lack of energy, but again, don't know how I can find out what that guiding point might be. Any thoughts would be greatly appreciated. Alex V, 43 years old. This is a this is a good question. I mean, this is where most people need to start is is where do you get that little voice from? And I think I would tell Alex, you know, very similar to what we heard on uh, you know, a, a very early podcast with a returning guest Manush Samarodi, you know, get bored. I think what it sounds like from all of this is you've got a full life, a big business, an, an operation that's very complex with a lot of people. You've got a family that depends on you. I would try to get bored as soon as you can. And I would say, you know, if that means five minutes a day to yourself, great. Do that as quickly as you can. And you're going to get a little bit of that sense of, okay, my mind's racing, my, my mind's racing. And then boom, your mind's not racing anymore. You've actually been able to kind of unplug and it leaves. So if you can give more than five minutes, great. But I think a lot of people end up being so busy that uh, you can't get that that kind of dust to settle. You can't get your um, mind to wander. And so maybe it's a walk to work. You could just put your phone on airplane mode. Maybe it's taking lunch by yourself once a week um, and just brainstorming. But I think it sounds like since you've said you frankly have never had any hobbies, you know, that to me feels like someone who's just all in on what they're doing, which is great, but who would benefit a lot from being a little less all in. So I would start there and Alex, please email me and let us know how that goes. We can certainly follow up with you um, afterwards. I do want to get to our, uh, our guest on the show today, uh, Lawrence Campbell a former running back for the University of Southern California who represents what many uh, guests have talked about, which is this reimagination process when one career or one pursuit that you've defined yourself through uh, ends. And for Lawrence, that was sports. So Lawrence went from sports to the world of accounting before going back into sports uh, in in kind of the lens of uh, clothing and apparel. Uh, We spoke quite a bit ago and this is going to be the conversation, but I encourage you all to check out Lawrence uh, when we uh, when we wrap up here because he's done a lot of things since then. So without further ado, here is Lawrence Campbell on the When to Jump podcast. Lawrence Campbell, thanks so much for joining me on the When to Jump podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mike. Uh, so I re- thank you for having me on, and you know everything's been a blessing thus far, and I just I appreciate the whole opportunity. So um, it's good to talk to you, man. 
Great to talk to you. And I want to go back first to your playing days. You were a running back for the University of Southern California, right? Actually, I'll go back even further than that. Further than that. Actually, I started off my uh, career at University of Illinois. Um, that was actually my, where my first, uh, my first year was. Uh, came in as a freshman and thinking that, you know, of course, like any other person who plays football, you think that, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to the NFL. Like, that's, you're locked in on that, right? And that's what you want to do. But I had this, I had this itch. Um, originally, I'm from Chicago. And, uh, you know, and football was great and I loved it and I had a good time, but I wanted to expand. So I wanted to leave. I wanted to leave the state. I wanted to transfer. So I went from the University of Illinois to the University of South California, um, just because, you know, of course, USC is big time, right? Like you see them on television and, you know, I knew some of the players who played there before, so on and so forth. So I make my way out there and, uh, you know, and I go off the team and everything is great, right? Um, but even after my first year, it's just something wasn't right. It just didn't really feel like it was weird. Like you have this, you have this passion, you have this dream for what you're going to do and you think you're going to do something in life for such a long time. And then it just, it just goes, it just the passion kind of wanes a little bit. And at the time I'm what, 20, 21, 22 years old. And I'm having these, uh, in a way, these like existential problems and trying to figure out what my next step is going to be. But, but, uh, but internally I just felt that, you know what, this is, this isn't the way. So I stopped and, um, and it was a, a huge shift <laughs> in my life and what I thought I was going to do. And then I, you know, I just, I stopped playing and I was just like, okay, well now, uh, what's next in life? And then that was kind of the, um, sort of the next part of, uh, my journey, so to speak. Well, and when was this, how far along in your college career were you? This was about two years in. So I still had a couple years left, uh, in college. So I had to figure something out. Um, and at the time, uh, I just started, uh, becoming an accounting major of all things. And, uh, so I kind of figured that, okay, well I'll do the business thing because I know that's something that you need to learn. Uh, so I went in that direction. So I had about two years left. That's and how many USC football players are accounting majors? Uh, there was only one. <laughs> it can't be more yeah i was gonna say it's got to be on one one hand but it might be on yeah, one finger exactly yeah <laughs> so it definitely football and accounting does not go in the same sentence and so. why yeah and why did you even think accounting at that time would did you know there was gonna be life after football or was that just a, on a whim no you know what actually and now that actually goes further back into my past so when I was uh, in primary school, a lot of my basketball coaches, for some odd reason, and I need to go back and ask them this question, a lot of them, uh, they coached us. Our coaches actually worked for the accounting firms. So in a way, I was kind of around that life earlier uh, in life. And uh, I just, I knew that they were, looked like pretty successful folks. And I hadn't really thought about anything else I wanted to do uh, after college. So I figured like, you know what, All my coaches back then were pretty successful and uh, I saw what they were doing, and I figured I'd do the same thing. It's like a modern-day love and basketball, but it was love and financial accounting. Yeah, I know. That sounds like such a nerdy thing, love and, love and accounting, love and spreadsheets. <laughs> Unbelievable. And did your family background, like, what was it like growing up? What was your childhood? What was your home environment like? Did that push you to say, I got I to do something practical, or did that have not as much yeah. of an impact? No, it, it did. So, um, you know, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and, of course, folks hear about a lot of the stories coming out of that part of the city. 
So for me, it was more about practicality, right? So it was more about the safety aspect of it. You know, get find something that you will be uh, financially stable and that you can take care of yourself. You don't have to be back in that environment. So that was part of it too. So it was more about finding a a, a structure, a support, uh, a way to support myself, so I don't have to worry about you know kind of being back in that environment too. So that was also that was a huge part of it actually. And also, my family was very supportive of it. So as soon as I would talk to them about these things, they 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 love they they love my ideas. They 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 like my thought process. So I didn't have any pushback from anyone on the family side in terms of uh, what I was doing and, and my plan for going to accounting and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, you know, try to paint the picture because, you know, what you see in the movies and in pop culture could be different, but how big of a deal was that to get to go to a, to a four-year college and, and pick a major that is going to get you a job afterwards coming out of the south side of Chicago? Oh, it was huge, man. So, like, I was, I'll say I was the first uh, person to go to and graduate, actually, out of my family. So, so that's how, so and that kind of gives you the perspective of how big of a deal that was. Now, I have siblings who've since done the same thing, but kind of being the first one through there, uh, it was a big deal. And, and that's why I mean, the support system that I had coming up was huge. And, and I, I like to say it was sort of one of the driving factors in terms of me being able to, to do it. Because keep in mind, you know, my family's in Chicago, like they're not in Los Angeles. Um, and given the financial situation, it wasn't like I was going back home every single weekend, right? So I was pretty much in LA trying to figure life out uh, on my own. And, uh, but it was good. And they were very supportive of it. So you're the first in your family at that time to go and graduate college. You yeah. end up last two years as an accounting major. You're not playing football. What happens next? So I, you know, I, I, uh, I, hate, to say, I hate to say it like this, but I, I joined the, uh, I joined the COG. Right, I joined the, the Matrix, so to speak. <laughs> so, first, <laughs> you first, went first, to the dark side. Went to the dark side, man. So I went and um, I joined with an accounting firm, uh, Ernst and Young. Actually, that was my first uh, job out of college, and, and and it's and it's it's if you can watch movies about what you think an accounting firm would look like, this this place looked like that, right? So, you know, days uh, is casual, certain formalities, all this other stuff, and that was my life. You know, and that was my life for the first uh, three or four years out of college, spreadsheets and reports and analysis and all this other stuff, and, which is great. You know, um, and again, it, it's, it's a life that it was a safe life. It's a life that enabled me to sort of learn a lot of things about business, but it wasn't who I was to the core. And that was something that was always nagging, always nagging. And, uh, and, it, and it, was, it was something that I had to kind of come to groups with uh, as I continued on with that career. And so then at what point, at what point did something change? So what changed was this, um, I was out and it was actually, uh, I was helping one of my buddies prepare for the draft because I kind of did that on the side. Uh, not, not the uh, military as, draft. That's the, uh, no, no, not the, the draft, draft. Uh, for the, for the, yeah, for the NFL draft. So I used to go out and help a couple of my friends prepare for the NFL draft by training and stuff like that. And that was what I was passionate about. Not the training itself, but just being in that environment, being in that, uh, in that arena, you know, seeing these guys get better. And um, during the course of uh, helping one of my uh, buddies train, we kind of threw around some ideas about certain products. And he was like, yeah, man, you know, you, know, you need to come up with something that'll sort of get you back into this life. And I was like, well, you know, I don't want to play football, man. I, you know, I, I'm done with that, but I like exercise. So 
his task was, and, uh, and I kind of, I kind of need to thank him for even bringing up this question. He's like, well, look, I've known you for all these years. Um, you need to come up with something that'll get you out of this sort of, uh, mundane life. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I challenge you to do it. And, uh, and from there, and it was weird, like, and it's, it was kind of an off the cuff remark. Um, but it just lit a fire in me. And, and, and for, I, I guess after that conversation, next couple of months, I was just on this, like this journey to figure out what this thing was. And, uh, and then it happened. <laughs> and, and what was it when, when you discovered it, what was that? So this is what it was. Uh, so during the course of us training, we would always use a uh, weight vest to, uh, to do our various training, uh, exercises, whether it's sprints, lunges, jumping, whatever the case may be, you always wear a weight vest. And that's something that you just do with football because, um, you know, it, it helps you get faster. So my thought was, why not create something that'll give you the same impact or the same benefit as wearing, let's say, a lightweight vest, but without wearing the extra weight. And, uh, and then from there, I figured, okay, well, what can this product be? So I figured compression pants. Why not create a pair of compression pants that provides the same level of resistance or at least resistance uh, similar to a weight vest and see what you can do from there. And, uh, and that's where the idea came from. And then uh, it, was, it was off to the races. <laughs> and, you know, we talk a little bit about the how on, the, on this show and you're an accounting major, former football player, you have the passion, but you're not a textile guru as far as I'm concerned, Lawrence, or at least if I'm not mistaken, you weren't at the time. How did you make those first prototypes? How did you start to make that jump happen? Oh, dude, like it was, and you're right. I'm not any of these things at all, right? So the first thing I needed to do was figure out, hey, we'll figure out what the hell am I doing, <laughs> right? So what I, what I would do is... Uh, I would, at the first, my very, very, very first prototype, no joke, uh, I went and purchased uh, uh, maybe three or four, three or four or five uh, resistance bands, right? And I had uh, three or four compression pants. And what I did was I somehow rigged up this contraption where I would, uh, I sort of uh, sewed some resistance bands to my pair of compression pants to figure out if the, if the concept would even work. And oddly enough, uh, I, I, I would spend hours on this too. And like, and if I could show you a picture, I know we're, you know, we're speaking remotely, but if I could show you a picture of this thing, it was pretty gnarly. Um, but after a couple of days of doing this and spending late nights on doing it, I came up with it. Like I actually came up with this little contraption of like resistance bands sewn together with multiple compressor fans and did it. And, um, and this is what happened after that. So I took that little contraption and I went down to this small little factory in San Diego, and I said, look, th these pair of pants do this function. Can you make this look better than what this looks like now? That's exactly how I said it. I, I didn't know, the, I didn't know the, the terminology of the lingo of that industry. Uh, but luckily, they kind of got what I was trying to do, and then we made some prototypes. And my first prototype came from that. Uh, came from that situation. What would you credit, you know, for folks just starting out with with getting you through that first prototype and onwards? You know what? It you know what it was. It was um, it was satisfying internal internal curiosity, and 
what I've just figured out was, you know, if you have an itch, you got to scratch it. Because uh, I know sometimes we have these ideas about what we want to do, and it sounds like a good idea, but we come up with a million reasons why not to do it. So my thing was, if you just take a step, it's, just, it's about steps. Step one, uh, you know, go buy this. Step two, piece it together. Step three, it doesn't work. Okay, step four, try it again. And you want to keep going until you until you fully satisfy that itch. And then hopefully, you know, you don't satisfy it until you come up with uh, whatever you're trying to come up with. And that's what got me through those first couple, first couple prototypes. Uh, and that was kind of the thing. Oh, and, it, and it's even more to the story. <laughs> that's that. So, Yeah, I, I, I doubt that that, you know, is as simple as that. But I think that is right, that the idea of, of thinking of what makes you curious. We were at... Um, I was in Dubai recently, or I guess it was a bit ago now, but one of the things that people asked, and they always ask this question is, you know, where do you start? How do you make a jump when you don't know what to jump to? And I love your story of making a prototype out of wondering if you could add weights to kind of a lighter compression short, and and there you just kind of sewed it together and started. And I think starting somewhere is, we've talked about this before, but that's that's often where where you need to begin, just just making something, following the curiosity. Yeah, exactly. It was just following curiosity, plain and simple. Uh, and and it's and it's interesting in thinking about thinking back on things that I'd done previous to that. A lot of the best things I'd done had come from just satisfying a curiosity, just going through it and seeing if this is something that I wanted to do or trying something out. And that prototype just happened to be, or at least the first one anyway, just happened to be um, part of that curiosity. And luckily, uh, you know, it it, uh, it it came to fruition. And so you're now launching how many months later from that first prototype? Oh, I'm, month, I'm launching about a year, about a year and a half later from that first prototype. Uh, just because you have to, with textiles, it's all about time, right? Because uh, I discover factories and, and, and companies don't want to deal with you <laughs> because you're a startup. Uh, because they think, uh, they think you're just, uh, they think it's a hobby. So they typically don't want to deal with you. So you have to hear a whole lot of no's before you have somebody willing to work with you. So, um, but, you know, my persistence, again, that curiosity, it keeps you going. And, uh, and that's what, what's kept me going along the way. And, and I'll be launching here pretty soon. And what are the products that you're coming out with? So the product I'm coming out with is uh, Crane One Tights. That's the name of it. So for both men and women, uh, compression tights with built-in resistance. And uh, sort of a, another benefit that we didn't really find out until after some testing. So you know how folks lift weights and wear these knee sleeves, as well weight belts and all this other stuff. Well, because of the compression and because of the fabric we're using in the, uh, in the pants, they actually provide a lot more support when you lift weights. So it actually helps you lift more weight as well. So that was kind of, a, that was kind of an added benefit that we really didn't know until we tested this thing out. And again, curiosity, um, and 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 just discovered that yeah, that's another benefit, another benefit to it. So, if you have one long training session, you can lift weights and lift a, a lot more weight um, when you put these things on. But when you come back and do your conditioning, it's going to work out a little bit harder. So you get a, you get a dual benefit from that. You get stronger, you get faster. That is so cool. Where can people go to check them out, get a pair, try them on, lift more weights, all that stuff? Look like you, you know, all these things. 
Oh, come on, look like me. <laughs> Lawrence has like 0% body fat for those wondering if, if that wasn't clear through his narrative of being a running yeah. back. Uh, but yeah, wh- where, where can you get them and where can you check them out? What's the site? You can, you can get them at uh, www.blueprintphoenix, all one word, uh, spelled exactly as, as the words are spelled, blueprintphoenix.com. Uh, and that's where you can uh, find more information. And you got a podcast yourself? I do. So I just launched a podcast uh, called The Blueprint Chronicles. And this is a podcast based on, uh, it's all about transformation. And it's funny that we're having this talk about transformation and making jumps and so on and so forth. But what I, along the way, I've met a lot of people uh, with my particular journey who've had similar uh transformations meaning they've gone from one thing to another specifically physical transformations where you've had someone just make these huge drastic life changes um physically and some of the some of the 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 resolve they've had to have in uh, in order to make that transformation and just hearing some of their stories uh, about how they've transformed in that way is really interesting man and i've run into a couple uh, at least run into quite a bit of people who've had just some of the most fascinating things to say about their outlook on life and having to struggle through certain things. Uh, like for instance, uh, I ran into a guy who'd run, uh, I think four or five weeks in a row, he'd run a uh, hundred mile races, uh, like those ultra marathons. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. So you ran a hundred miles for, well, I think it was four or five weeks in a row. You ran a hundred mile race every single weekend. Doesn't your body need to recover? He's like, yeah, but it was just something that I needed to do. And I was like, why'd you need to do it? He's like, it was more of a spiritual thing. And I just thought that was fascinating. <laughs> so, Unbelievable. Yeah, so it was just stuff like that. So we're going to have people like that on uh, talk about these really gnarly stories about how they sort of tr- transform themselves physically, which is transform their lives. And, uh, and that's what it's about. That is so cool. Any last words of advice for those listening and thinking about their own jump as you look back, you know, now launching yours? You know what? My biggest piece of advice will be trust your gut, uh, because your from your gut uh, comes the, the I guess the message of your subconscious. Trust it. You have to. You have to. You have to do something. If if you have this itch to scratch, if your gut's telling you something, follow through. Because if you don't follow through, I guarantee you regret it. Um, and that's really the advice. Uh, because you know, as you know, entrepreneurship is a whole lot of the unknown. But you have to trust yourself and you have to trust your own instincts and trust your instincts when you have a a feeling about something. Follow it. Explore it. You know, be curious about it. And uh, and I think you'll find a lot of fantastic things if you uh, if you follow that message. All right. Lawrence Campbell, BlueprintPhoenix.com. Check him out. Look like Lawrence if you put him on. That's the endorsement I'm going to just give for you. (laughs) Uh, But seriously, an amazing jump uh, from. From football to accounting to now uh, creating an athletic apparel line that, that fits your lifestyle. Thank you for the words of wisdom. Thanks for joining the, uh, the podcast today. Hey, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, my man. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lawrence Campbell. Super inspiring uh, guest and entrepreneur and another great example of what it looks like to jump you know, from something that has forced an end like athletics to um, a new frontier, which, uh, which looks a lot different than his old world of accounting. So uh, cheers to, to Lawrence on that. 
please check out Lawrence online. We'll put his uh, website and info in the show notes. And of course, come back to whentojump.com. Share your story like Alex V has shared with us. We want to hear it. We want to share more insights and any advice we can give. And we love to hear from you. So whentojump.com at whentojump across social media. My name is Mike Lewis. I will see you next week for episode 57 of the When to Jump podcast. You will not want to miss this. It is with a gentleman who has more careers than I have fingers on my hand. So we have uh, a very interesting person coming. That sounded kind of weird to say, but bottom line, next week's going to be awesome. Join us then. Thanks for tuning in. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy.